Hey, thanks for downloading the Cross Defense Podcast. I'm glad you're engaged today. We talk about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer? Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. Well, I think, I think you'll think about it differently after today's episode. We talk about three secrets in the Lord's Prayer. We talk about the story, the structure, and the four blessings of the Lord's Prayer. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome to Cross Defense. Every week we gather together around this microphone, or I'm around the microphone, I suppose you're around a speaker, and we talk about theological things because there's nothing better to talk about. We for, don't we forget so easy that there's that the that the best stuff is the is this stuff, is the Lord's word and the Lord's kindness. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolf, the pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, host of Cross Defense. I uh, got a YouTube channel, by the way. I should mention that. I'm supposed to mention that kind of stuff every now and again. Wolf Mueller One. Some of you are watching this segment on the YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, this is a podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, there's this on YouTube. And if you're listening live on the radio, YouTube and the podcast is also there. Today, we're going to talk about three mysteries. Three mysteries hidden in in the Lord's Prayer. I don't know how this is going to work. You have to tell me. After it's done, well, we want to look at the Lord. Look, the the uh, the Lord's Prayer is so common; it's so well known, and I think it's the probably the best known Bible passage for almost every Christian. If anybody, if you have any part of the Bible memorized, it's the Lord's Prayer. In fact, on our Catechism Memory Program that we have here for the children, at hope it's number one, and normally the kids can get it when they're three or four years old. They memorize the Lord's Prayer, and I think the Lord's Prayer is the last thing that we remember when we're dying and you're forgetting everything. The Lord's Prayer is still there at the end. Our Father who art in heaven, you say it, and people can jump in. They know The Lord's Prayer is so well known that it becomes, you know that old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. We, we become so familiar with the Lord's Prayer that we miss the wonder. And so I want to try to crack it open today, crack open the Lord's Prayer. We're going to come at it from three different angles and see if we can reinvigorate our theological imaginations when it comes to this most precious gift, the Lord's Prayer. It's given to us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, the first part of Matthew, also in Luke chapter 11. Jesus teaches his disciples, and he gives them this prayer, introduction, the seven petitions, and the conclusion. Now we're going to spend the third, uh, second secret we're going to talk about is the, uh, well, let me just tell you in, a, in the order. The first secret is the story of the Lord's Prayer. The second secret is the structure of the Lord's Prayer. And then the third secret is the four blessings of the Lord's Prayer. So that's our topic. We're going to do it until Ian stops us for breaks, and then we're going to keep doing it again until we run out of time today. So that's the plan. So number one, the number one mystery of the Lord's Prayer is the story of the Lord's Prayer. We often think of the Lord's Prayer as we, – we do this all the time, I think. At least I, I might just – it might be me. You guys let me know if this is just me or if you do it as well. Like we look at the Ten Commandments as like ten – like disconnected things. Don't do this and also this and also don't do this. But when we study them, we see that they that they fit together. We were talking yesterday in, in uh, Bible class about the third article of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, communion of saints, and so forth. And we think of it like six different things that we believe in. The Holy Spirit over here, then the Holy Christian Church over there, and so forth and so on. But they, they fit together. They make a story. The Holy Spirit is the one who builds the Holy Christian Church, which is nothing other than the communion of saints made holy by the forgiveness of sins and looking forward to the resurrection of the body and eternal life. They all they all fit together. And the same thing is true with the Lord's Prayer. There's a story that's unfolding in the Lord's Prayer. 
And I want you to imagine it this way. See if we can see it. Now, this could be told better. I'm just on the edge of this, so you guys have to be patient. Come, we'll do this again in five years. It'll be a lot better. But I want you to imagine that, you've, that you wake up one day, and you've hit your head, and you have a coma. And you don't remember anything except the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you, you don't remember your name. You don't remember where you're from. You don't remember your fa- You don't remember what you do. It's like like the uh, oh, the Bourne movies, you know, like Jason Bourne. You just wake up in the and and you do, you have you've got everything is lost about who you are, what you do, where you're going, what's happening, everything except for the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is the only clue that you have to who you are. And let's see if we can figure it out because I think if that's if that was the case that we could learn in fact a lot about what it means to be a Christian. So you say, okay, uh, I don't know, I don't know my name. I don't know. I don't know my job. I don't know my identity. I don't know anything else like this. But I just know our Father, who art in heaven. Now, what do I learn there? Okay, I learn that I'm a child. That I have a father. That I have siblings, right? Because it's not my Father who art in heaven. It's our Father who art in heaven, and that my Father is a heavenly Father. My Father is. I mean, let's divine. In fact, a lot is already there in that very first part. Our Father who art in heaven. So that tells me something about who I am. Okay. So I've and and my chief identity in life is that is the fact that I have this heavenly Father and I've got brothers and sisters that are hanging around. Okay. That's that's part one. And then comes this is going to be exciting because watch what happens next. Here comes the next one. It says, "Hallowed be thy name. Let your name be holy." Now I know that this father that I have is not some sort of obscure father, some sort of unfather, but a father who has a reputation, a father who has a name, a fa- and, and that his name is not only, it's not only, it's not just a good name or a powerful name, it's a holy name. So I have a father who has a holy name, and so I also am a child with a holy name. I also have that name there. Okay. But not only that, then I remember the, the second petition. Thy kingdom come. Now I know that not only does this father have a, an exalted and holy name and a good reputation, maybe he's a famous sort of father, but that he is a father with a kingdom. In other words, my father is a king. That makes me a prince. Or if you're a lady listening, a princess. And I, I, I'm the son or I'm the daughter of a king who has a kingdom. Now, this is exciting stuff. Now, as I'm learning this about myself, I say, "Oh, I'm not just a nobody. I'm part of a I'm part of a uh, of a famous royal family." Now, that's quite wonderful. I'm I, I'm part of a kingdom. That's great. And now I'm looking around trying to figure out, well, who you know, where's the kingdom? Where is it? And I realize that Thy kingdom come. I realize that His kingdom is a coming kingdom. His kingdom is a is a is a burgeoning kingdom. His kingdom hasn't hasn't fully arrived yet, but it's coming along. And I go to the next petition, the third petition, how uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then I realize, oh 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 oh, that his kingdom is opposed. I'm praying that that God's will would be done, that his name would be holy, that his kingdom would come, and that tells me that this is a kingdom under assault. That I'm the I'm the son, I, or you're the daughter of a king who has a king of a father who has a kingdom, and that kingdom is now being attacked from every side. That there's a war, and we are in the middle of the war. I'm a prince at war, and no doubt I would be because I'm the son of that particular king. That I'm a I'm a soldier in this battle. 
Now, this is really quite so that you see that that all these things are revealed to us just even in the first part of the Lord's Prayer. It's really it's really quite stunning to think about. Then we get to the next part and things change a little bit. Because this is not these first three petitions are telling me who I am and who my family is and who my father is and what's the condition of his kingdom. But now the last four petitions are going to start telling me what's my state, where am I? And we get to the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. And I realize, oh, I'm not in the kingdom. I'm not sitting at the banquet table of the king. I'm out sojourning and wandering away from his kingdom such that I need provision, even just a little bit of provision to make it through the day. That I need his help just to stay alive as I'm as I'm out in this pilgrim life. And then the fifth petition, forgive us our trespasses. I realize that that there's a danger here, that the holiness that my that my heavenly father has, that his holy name and his holy kingdom, that I am not that I am not in uh, in concert with that holiness. That I, because because of my own sinfulness, because of my own failure to to live according to this holiness, that I need forgiveness, that I need mercy from Him, that I need to I need to have the King's generous thoughts towards me, that I'm living in 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 risk of angering the King, and yet at the same time the King has provided a way to have mercy on me and to be able to forgive me and to welcome me as His child in His kingdom. Wow! Now that that petition there is going to set me on a quest to figure out how he did that which ends by the way at the gospel that's how that's what jesus was doing on the cross he was making a way that the king the father in heaven can forgive sinners and then the last two petitions lead me not into temptation but deliver me from evil in a way i'm i'm under i'm in the enemy territory and i need to be guided as i navigate through the enemy territory until finally i'm rescued from there and brought into the father's kingdom that 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 jesus is going to come and and rescue me from the kingdom of darkness and transfer me into the kingdom of light the glory of the only begotten son of god so that so that now i'm i realize that i'm in enemy territory and that i want to live accordingly as i bear the name of my royal heavenly father around in this life now that tells me quite a bit about who i am can you imagine it how wonderful this is that all of this is given to us in the lord's prayer i remember I was reading some Luther sermons a couple of years ago, and he tells this story. It's about, he, he says, if you could imagine yourself uh, waking up and trapped in a dungeon of a castle, and you think, oh, boy, this is really bad. I'm in the dungeon of this castle, and it's dark, and it's, there's rats all over it, and it stinks. You're r- kind of rotting away there. You think, wow, that's pretty bad, but then one day, you hear an approaching army, and they start to barrage the the castle with catapults, and these stones are are hitting the castle. Boom! And the walls are shaking. Boom, and the whole place is, you think, going to collapse on you. And you think, oh, man, if it wasn't bad enough that I was living in this dungeon, but now I'm in this dungeon that's about to collapse. Now, this is horrible. And this is how Luther pictures this life. I mean, here we are in this in this life, one day after another, marching closer and closer to death. And if that's not bad enough, we have all these assaults of the devil and the world and the flesh. Bloom, bloom, bloom. It's just falling apart. But Luther says, this is a miserable picture until you realize that the attacking army is the army of your father who's come to rescue you. 
And then that changes everything because then every time one of the stones hits the side of the castle wall, boom, you think, I'm one minute closer to deliverance. Boom. One minute closer to rescue. Boom. One minute closer to being pulled out of the dungeon and brought into safety into my Father's kingdom. Now, this is the picture of the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from evil. And it's the way that we think about the sufferings of this life. I mean, what, here comes this bad news, the death of a friend, boom, or the temptation to sin, boom, or the news of our own sickness, boom, or the failures that we, re- our regrets and our shame, boom, one after another. But we recognize that every single one of these, these shattering blows is one step closer to rescuing us from this veil of tears, to bringing us into the presence of our Father, the Heavenly King. It's fantastic. So that the Lord's Prayer is telling a story. It's, it's telling a story of who God is for us and who we are in Christ. The Lord's Prayer is a, it's a, it's a narrative. It, it, it puts us rightly in, I wish I had a better word than relationship, but it puts us rightly in relationship with God and with our fellow man. It tells us that we're pilgrims in this world, that we're wandering far from the Father's kingdom, but that we belong to that kingdom. And that by his word and his spirit, that kingdom continues to come to us. That's fantastic. So that is mystery number one on the Lord's Prayer. Secret number one, that the Lord's Prayer tells a story. I hope you'll let me know what you think about that, that you'll send me some notes. The best way to do that, by the way, on the website, wolfmuller.co, W-O-L-F-M-U-E-L-L-E-R.co, and there'll be a contact button there. That's a, I think that's the best way to get a hold of me. Those come right to my everything, you know, email, phone, and I see those sorts of notes. And I'd love to hear what you think about this, the Lord's Prayer as Story. The second secret to the Lord's Prayer, and it looks like we got about four minutes before we go to the break, so we'll start in on to this one. In fact, we might be able to finish this one and leave the last two segments for the big stuff, which will come in the third secret, the four blessings of the Lord's Prayer. But the second secret is the structure to the Lord's Prayer. Now, this has to do with the first, but we want to recognize that there is a, a particular structure in the commandments. We were talking about this yesterday in our bonus Bible class. By the way, I don't know how you guys do it, but at Hope we have Bible class from 11 to 12, and then we have Bible class 2 from 11 or from 12:15 to 1. <laughs> I'm just I'm bragging about the people here. They they want bonus. So we got that we had bonus Bible class. Uh it's also cuz I'm a short timer. I'm only here for the rest of May. Uh so so we were talking about this in our bonus Bible class, the structure of the Lord's prayer, and someone said, "Hey pastor, you should write a book about that." And I said, "Ah, how about I just talk about it on a cross defense? <laughs> so that's what we're doing. Now, we often miss this structure to the Lord's Prayer, that just like the Ten Commandments have two tables. Remember the Ten Commandments came down and Moses had two tables, and so he's, the law has two parts. And Jesus says, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. So we have these two tables, love for God and love for the neighbor. And so we have to see the structure of the Ten Commandments, that there's these two parts. Well, the Lord's Prayer has a very, very similar structure. There's two tables to the Lord's Prayer. Remember, there's seven petitions. And the first three we can call the thy petitions, and the last four we can call the us petitions. The first three petitions have to do with things of God. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the last four petitions have to do with the things of us. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. So just like the Ten Commandments have the first three towards God and the last seven towards the neighbor, so the Lord's Prayer has the first three towards God and the last four towards our life in this fallen world. And this is an incredible sort of thing to see, that the Lord's Prayer is kind of it's kind of uh, expanding the things that we need. Now, we'll talk about this in, in a little bit because I'm getting the break warnings now. But uh, the, um, the, the Lord's Prayer is going to be an expansive sort of thing. It's going to expand the way that we think about our lives. We're often told the things that keep us alive, the things that we need for life is like water and food and sleep and shelter and things like this. But the Lord's Prayer is going to come along and say, hey, you, in fact, need a lot more than this to live the full life. And here they are. Here's the three things that have to come to you from God. His name, his kingdom, and his will. And here's the four things that you need from God to navigate through this veil of tears. So that's the second secret to the Lord's Prayer, that there's a structure that's in there. And we have the first table and the second table of the Lord's Prayer. Okay, now that's setting the table for the last secret of the Lord's Prayer, which is the four blessings of the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about after the break. You're listening to Cross the Fence. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Stay tuned to the break, and we'll be, we'll be right back. Hello, this is Dale Meyer, and I'm the host of Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work, an Intersection. It airs weekly on Thursday afternoons at 2 o'clock Central Time, right here on KFUO. Together, we'll discover how the Word of God applies to daily life as we go about our various vocations. Be sure to tune in each week for an interesting discussion taking place at the intersection of Word and Work. This week on Issues Etc., we'll get a review of the movie Avengers Endgame from Pastor Ted Geese. We'll have Pastor Brian Wolfmiller introduce us to the book of Zechariah, and we'll talk to Ryan Anderson about Supreme Court cases involving LGBT job discrimination. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Concord Matters is a show seeking agreement in Christian confession. I'm Pastor Charles Henriksen, one of the hosts of Concord Matters, heard on Worldwide KFUO each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central and a repeat on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. We take an in-depth look at the Book of Concord with some fine Lutheran theologians. Concord Matters, live on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. The story of Worldwide KFUO is a tale of technology. Radio was new in 1924 when KFUO was born to serve Christ the Savior. Now, KFUO is still finding new broadcast technologies so we can spread the gospel to the world via the web, smartphones, tablets, and new intelligent speaker devices. And when the next big thing is unveiled, we'll be there too. Broadcasting the good news at the forefront of technology. We are Worldwide KFUO. Now, welcome back to Cross Defense. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolf. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Three secrets of the Lord's Prayer. Secret number one, the story of the Lord's Prayer. 
I don't know if that blew your mind. It blew my mind when I talked about it. If it didn't blow your mind, it's not the fault of the Lord's Prayer. It's my own fault for not being able to get you there in your own imagination. But the Lord's Prayer tells a story, who God is and who we are. Then the second is the structure of the Lord's Prayer. We want to, we can dig into the Lord's Prayer and see that it has parts, that the seven, that there are seven, and remember that petition doesn't mean like just thing that we ask for. We think we should probably think about petition like we think about it in the context of the government. That we, you know, you, you see all these guys like the Greenpeace guys wandering around downtown and they want you to sign their petition. If it has so many signatures, it can be presented and so forth. That the Lord is actually giving us uh, uh, access to his throne and his and his presence to be able to ask him things. We're going to talk about that in a minute because that's amazing. And in these seven petitions, we have the three things that belong to the Lord and the four things that belong to this troubled life. I think there's a relationship between the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer. And probably what's very interesting is that the first table of the Ten Commandments has to do with the first three and the last three petitions. And the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer has to do with the last table of the law. It's like an embedded fractal, but maybe I need to draw a picture for that, so... We'll do that a different way. But the third secret of the Lord's Prayer is that there are four blessings in the Lord's Prayer. And we want to dig into those guys in the rest of the show. Now, the first, so the four blessings, the first blessing is the command to pray. Now, this is amazing to think about because we often, we often don't think about it. In fact, a lot of times, and this will be presented like in movies and in drama, that you'll see someone like come to the end of their rope and they'll just kind of throw up a prayer to heaven. Like they'll look, like look up at the sky and say, if anybody's up there, <laughs> if, you, if you can hear me, that, that prayer is this act of what, I don't know, that, that like, we, we, like, like God wants us to pray. He's like up there waiting for us to pray. And he's sort of upset that we don't pray as often as we ought to pray. He's like, um, he's like, a, uh, he's like your mom when you've gone off to college. My poor mom. When I went up to college, I would never call. I mean, I, I remember I was tra traveled down to Australia. Oh, this is, I was, it was so obnoxious. And uh, I was I was like 17, and I was wandering around the outback. My poor mom was at home worrying sick about me. I knew she wanted to hear, but I would just, I'd call like once every 10 days to say, oh, hey, mom, still alive. You know, once I had to call, and the, and the phone call started, don't worry, mom, everyone's okay. That's <laughs> just, don't you want to, I mean, you could imagine hearing that. Oh, and so we picture God in heaven. He's like, we're supposed to pray, and he's up there waiting for us to pray. Like, oh, I wonder when Brian's going to come and pray, but he never prays like he ought to. He never, you know, you never call. This is not, this is not the picture of prayer. The, 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 God is on the throne of the universe, and it's not like you just can waltz into that place and ask for anything you want to. At least that's not the that's not what we ought to, what we ought to think about it. I mean, you know, even if you have a military structure. Again, we were talking about this yesterday. If you have a military structure and you are down lower on the ranks and you want to talk to someone who's above you on the ranks, you have to ask for permission. Permission to speak. At least I think you do. That's what they show in the movies. And if you have something that you really, I mean, like something could get you in trouble, you have to say permission to speak freely, right? You just can't, can't talk to the person above you. You can't just walk into their room and, or walk into their desk and ask for anything. And, and, I mean, imagine that for a king. We have the picture of it in Esther. 
Remember, there, here is Esther and the king Xerxes or Ahasuerus, and he's going to kill all the Jews. And so they have to send Esther in to beg for the safety of the Jews. And she says, well, the king hasn't asked for me. And there's a law. If you go into the king's presence without being invited into the king's presence, the rule is you are to be killed. Just the guards there with a sword and flip, off goes your head. Rolling on the ground, and there's the, you know, there's the guys coming in with a bucket to mop up your blood from your dead body because you walked in where you were not permitted to walk, where you were not invited to walk. Esther says there's only one exception. If the king raises the golden scepter and points to you, then you have, then you can go and ask something of him, but that hardly happens. The law is you die. You go to the king's presence without being invited, you die. If it's that way for an earthly king, which reminds me of the story of like, wasn't there like a there's like a postman who like built this little helicopter and landed on the White House lawn? <laughs> I kinda like that guy and his gusto. But you can't just walk into the White House without being invited. You can't just land your little homemade helicopter on the lawn of the White House. You'll have the Secret Service all over you. You're gonna be in prison. In other words, you can't you you cannot go into the presence of someone even on earth who has that kind of authority. You can just go into their presence unless you're invited into their presence. And how if that's how it is on earth, how much more should it be for God? We would never dare to go into the presence of God without being invited. To try to, to stand before the Lord and to offer him a single petition without being invited. I mean, imagine if we didn't have the command to pray. I think that we'd have to do it this way. Every church would probably say, okay, well, look, we, we need to pray because we need the Lord's help for this thing or that thing. But we're, we're, it's a frightful sort of thing. So you'd, you'd, have a, you'd get the whole church together and you say, okay, what do we want to pray for? And you'd, have a, you'd make a list of like 10 things you want to pray for and say, okay, we're going to risk praying for one of them, which is the most important, the most essential thing for us to ask for, and you'd vote on it. Here's number one. We're going to ask the Lord's help for this to help our persecuted brothers throughout the world or whatever it is. There's your number one prayer, and then you're going to say, okay, now who's going to pray that prayer? And then you, you're you going to vote for one guy to go into the Lord's presence, the guy that you think has the, has the cleanest hands and the most upright heart, who's going to carry that petition, who has the best chance of surviving the act of offering a prayer. And you're going to send that guy to pray, and you're all going to be hoping that the Lord doesn't just kapow with lightning and justice. How dare you come and stand before me? How dare you presume to come and present yourself in front of my throne and to ask me for something? How dare you? This, is, this, this should be our approach to prayer. It should be one of fear, one of trepidation, one of great hesitancy to do something so bold as to stand before the Lord and ask him for what we need, except that we have the command to pray. When the Lord says, you shall not misuse my name, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, he's commanding us to use his name rightly, to pray, praise, and give thanks. Thanks. In other words, the Lord is telling us that I want you to pray. I want to hear from you. I am giving you an invitation anytime and any place to ask anything to come and stand before me and to present your petitions with me with this with boldness and with confidence do you do you realize what kind of access that is can you imagine if if president trump sent you a phone golden phone with like trump on it with one button 
He says, this is the phone. Anything you need, call me. Anytime. <laughs> the golden phone. You couldn't. I mean, that's the value of that sort of thing. And he's a man. God has said, I want you to ask me something so that we have this great confidence in the command to pray. Now, we normally think that the command will show us our sin, and it does. And this is one way because we, we don't even, it's half, most of the time, we don't even recognize what a great gift it is that the Lord has given us in this command to pray. We don't even see it. We, we're like blind to the great gift of the thing. But this is the thing that the Lord wants to give to us in the command. So when Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, he's telling us that we have access to God the Father. In fact, that's what he gives us in the name of God. When you call upon my name, I'll hear you and I'll answer you. We know that we know that name is access, I mean, just kind of practically. Like if you imagine you're walking in a crowd and you drop your, you drop your uh, I don't know, what are you going to drop, your wallet? You drop your KFUO hat. <laughs> I hope you guys, uh, we did the share last week, but I'm sure it's not too late if you want to support uh, KFUO Radio, KFUO.org. You drop your KFUO hat or something like that, and uh, and someone picks it up, but they don't know your name. So they're like, hey, hey, you, you there. And you don't turn around because they don't know your name. But say they know your name, Brian. You turn around immediately. If you know somebody's name, you've got access to them. And this is what the Lord does. He says, call upon my name. I'm giving you access to me. The command to pray then gives us this boldness to go and stand in this heavenly throne room and ask the, thing, the Lord for the, things, for the things that we need. So that's number one on the blessing of the Lord's Prayer is the command to pray. And blessing number two, I'm trying to open up the thing here so I can see how much time Ian's given me. Okay, we still got time. Uh, ble uh, blessing number two is the promise of prayer. Not only has the Lord given us the command to pray, which gives us this great boldness and confidence, it gives us the vocation of prayer, of one who offers petitions, but the, the of intercessor. We have the we have by the command the institution of the office of intercessor, in which we stand to pray for ourselves and for others. But we also have the promise. And that promise is that the Lord hears our prayers and that he answers them. Uh, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will hear you and I will deliver you, God says in Psalm 50. Or remember how Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So that the Lord has promised to hear our prayers and to answer them. I remember this old C.S. Lewis line. I don't know if this is... I could probably think about it again. I don't know if this is right or not, but C.S. Lewis had this line where he says, it gives us more comfort knowing that the Lord hears our prayers than that he answers our prayers. In other words, the first level of comfort is the fact that the Lord listens. I, I, there, there's something to that. It, may, it might not be the whole truth, but there, it's a partial truth at least because, because I, I have people come to me all the time, like, Pastor, hey, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. It feels like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. It just seems like, God's ears are closed, that he can't even hear what I'm saying. And we know we have the promise that that's not the case, that the Lord does hear us because of Jesus, that the Lord does, that his ears are open to the Christian's prayer. So that's the first part of the promise. And then the second part of the promise is that the Lord will answer our prayer. Now,
when it comes to the answered prayers, we have all these promises in the Scripture which say, like, ask anything in my name and I will give it to you. Uh, ask anything in the name of Jesus and it will be given to you. We have these kind of what are sometimes called the blank checks of prayer, these anything petitions. But we want to rec- recognize that the Lord is answering our prayers in accord with what he knows is best for us. Now, this is, it's not, it's not too complicated, but maybe it's a little bit complicated to think about. But I, but he, so here's the, maybe the way into this, because we see examples in the scriptures of people asking for things, for very specific things, and the Lord not giving it to them. I mean, one of the chief examples is, is St. Paul, who says, uh, let this thorn be taken from me. Three times he prays that the thorn in his side would be taken from him, and the Lord says to him, no, keep the thorn. I want you to have the thorn. My strength, the Lord says, remember this, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Whew, my grace is sufficient for you. Keep the thorn. So Paul prayed specifically for the thorn to be taken away, and the Lord said, no, no, I want you to have it. Or even Jesus in the garden, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. In fact, the fact that we pray in the third petition, thy will be done, proves that oftentimes our will is at conflict with God's will. And so we want to be praying in concert with the will of God. We want to be asking for the things that God wants to give. And that's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name, to ask for the things that God wants to give to us. Now, but, but, but it's not, but it's not like it's God says, okay, now here's what you want, and here's what I want, and you have to ask for the things that I want, and not for the things that you want. When we, when we are, when we are in the name of Jesus, when, when we are Christian, when we are baptized, when we are in the Holy Spirit, the Lord starts to change our own will so that our will becomes a reflection of his will, so that our desires become a reflection of his desires, so that the things we want are the things that he wants to give to us. So when we pray in Jesus' name, this is what we're praying for. It's not like we say, well, Lord, this is what I want, but you want this, so I'm going to pray for this sort of thing. No, we, we recognize that the Lord starts to to work in us so that the things that we want are exactly the things that he wants. Remember how this psalm says it? I can't remember what psalm. The part in my in my brain that remembers this psalm doesn't work. So I have to look it up every time. But it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what does that mean? It means as we delight in the Lord, as we desire the things of God, as we take pleasure in the gifts of 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 Jesus and his presence and his promises, then he gives us the very things that we want. So our prayer arises out of the sanctified heart. Our prayer comes from the, uh, from the, from, from our, from our true desires that are brought about by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. And when we pray these things, then the Lord has promised to answer them. Now, sometimes we can't quite tell if the things that we want are the same things that God wants. And in those cases, we pray, thy will be done. Like, for example, I'd, I'd like not to die tomorrow, but 
I'm not sure if that's what the Lord wants or not, so thy will be done. Things like that. But normally we're praying for these things that arise out of the of the Lord's work of sanctification for us. I had a maybe I'll tell you the story. Let's see if Ian's oh he's timing me out. This I got a three minute this is a three minute story. I remember I was living in the Fiji, in the highlands of Fiji. This is by myself. Well, we were taking groups through, but I had this little tent to myself. And, and I was praying, and I had this book that just it was talking about the blank checks of prayer. And, and it said, just ask the Lord whatever you want. It doesn't matter, and he'll give it to you. He'll answer. So, so I had been praying that the Lord would give me the capacity to understand the Fijian language so I could go to church and, and I could understand uh, the preaching there. I would suppose that, that it's fine. You know, the Lord normally gives that gift through actually working to learn the language, but I suppose it's a good desire anyways. But I had been convinced this one particular night, I was convinced that the Lord had come to me and told me, Brian, you'll understand the preaching tomorrow. And so I went to bed with this great joy and I woke up with this great joy and I went to church with this great joy and confidence that I was going to be able to supernaturally understand the things that were preached, that I would have the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And I went to church that day, and I didn't understand a word, not a word. And to make it worse, they were doing some sort of rally. So like 15 guys preached, and the service lasted six hours. And I didn't understand a single word of it. And I plunged into this deep, deep despair. I mean, it was dark, spiritually very, very dark, because I had thought that the Lord had given me this promise and an answer to prayer, and uh, I had just made it up. She made up this promise. It wasn't from the Lord. It was from my own whatever, maybe from the demons, maybe from my own belly or something like this. But it wasn't a promise that the Lord gives. So we want to be we want to we want to have this part down that the Lord promises to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers in accord with his will. All right. So this is the two. That's two. Right. We talked about the two, we're talking about the four blessings. This is the third secret, the four blessings. And the first two are the command to pray and the promise to pray. We're going to go to the break and we're going to come back with the third blessing is our. Ooh, you guys are going to like this one. Our need for prayer and the things that we need. The Lord's prayer gives us a list of our own needs. We're going to talk about that after the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Cross. Proverbs 27:17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their mettle against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m., every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. Each weekday on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of Living Boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. Abraham Lincoln died on this day, April 15, in 1865. His assassination by Confederate sympathizer John Wilkes Booth was less than a month after beginning his second term. 
Lincoln's second inaugural address set a different tone than his first. At just over 700 words, it included three direct quotes from the Bible, Matthew 7-1, Matthew 18-7, and Psalm 19-9, and focused on the horrors committed by both the Union and Confederacy, and the emerging crisis of authority as both sides asked God for favor. Lincoln said, both read the same Bible and pray to the same God and each invokes his aid against the other. The prayers of both could not be answered. The Almighty has his own purposes. Engage with the Bible and its extraordinary place in American history. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Hey, welcome back to CrossFit. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfbuehler, pastor of Hope Luther Church in Aurora, Colorado, and talker to you about prayer we're talking about three secrets of the lord's prayer the first is the story the second is the structure and the third is the fourth blessing and so now it's like the trumpets of revelation you get to the last one and it opens up but there's all these other ones so we're talking about the four blessings of the lord's prayer the first one is the command to pray the second one is the promise of prayer the third one is our need the lord before okay here's how this goes before the petitions of the Lord's Prayer are actually words that we are asking God, they are first God's word to us. And the thing that it teaches us is the things that we need in this life. Now, this is important because we, if we're left to our own, if you just go to the biologist and you say, what do you need to live? They have this very short list. You need water, food, shelter, that's it. That's what you need to live. That's a, Now, that is not the life that the Lord intends for us. I mean, you might need those things to keep your heart beating, but we, in fact, need a lot more than that. And we don't know that we need all that much. We See, see left to ourselves, we think that we need a little bit of daily bread. In, in other words, those things, water, food, and shelter, those are covered in the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is saying, you actually need a lot more than just a little bit to eat. Now, I think that, I did this trick, it was a kind of a, I, don't know, I think this was kind of mean. I did, uh, we had a gathering of pastors here at Hope oh, a few years ago, and I said, okay, we're going to take some prayer requests, and I'm going to take one request for each petition of the Lord's Prayer. I did this on purpose. I mean, again, it's kind of a punk thing to do, but hope you don't hold it against me because the illustration is helpful because someone said, okay, I want to pray for so-and-so who has cancer. I uh, hope they get better. Okay, that's fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Prayer for physical deeds. Does anyone have any other petitions for the other, uh, any other prayers for the other petitions? And all of a sudden the guys realize that all the things that they would add to the prayer list are fourth petition prayers. This person's sick, this person's suffering, this maybe a delivers from evil because this person is dying. But there but our prayers revolve around the fourth petition. If left to ourselves and you just made a list, here's my prayer list, I'll bet you that ninety percent of those things that are on your list, maybe even more, all are included in the fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. It's because we feel it. We feel our physical needs. When we're hungry, our stomach preaches to us. You know, it's not very elegant. It just kind of growls. And, it, and your stomach is teaching you that you need food. Now, Jesus comes along and says, what you need is God to give you daily bread. And so he clarifies, Jesus in the fourth petition, clarifies the preaching of your stomach. 
Your conscience also preaches, by the way, and this has to do with the fifth commandment, forgive us our trespasses. Your conscience tells you, tells you that you've done something wrong, that you are not living in harmony with the right and wrong of the world, that things are bad out there and in here. The things that I've done are wrong and the things that are done to me are wrong. And so your conscience cries out for some relief. Now, your conscience, like your stomach, just kind of preaches in a groan. Ah, and and every world religion is an answer to the conscience's inarticulate prayer. Ah, here's some good works. Ah, say this meditation. Ah, pray to the saints or whatever. So that every world religion is an attempt to kind of calm down the crying conscience. But Jesus comes along and gives clarity to the preaching of the conscience and says, you know what you need? You need the forgiveness of sins. You need the blood of Jesus. You need my death on the cross to make your conscience feel better. So just like the Lord clarifies the inarticulate preaching of the stomach with give a daily bread and rob the conscience, forgive us our trespasses. And so we pray those two prayers, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as the things that we feel that we need in this life. But that's not all that we need. We need so much more even than daily bread and a good conscience. In fact, we need the Lord's name and his kingdom, his will, and deliverance and a leading. We need all of the, se all the seven petitions are outlining the things that we need. And in this way, the seven petitions of the Lord's Prayer define for us what a full life is. Remember when Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest? Well, what is that full life? It's a life with the Lord's name and his kingdom and his will and a bit of bread and forgiveness of sins and God's leading and deliverance. That's what the full life that Jesus came to bring us. And so God says, this is the things that you need. But we don't feel it. We don't know it by nature. We don't have a stomach for God's word. I oftentimes wonder if we did. I think I wrote about this in Has American Christianity Failed or something. But having a, a, a stomach for the word of God... Can you imagine this? Like, like you, have a little, you have a little stomach there behind your ear. So every time you hear preaching, you know, you're like, ah, I'm so good. That was fantastic. I'm so happy. And then if you hadn't, if you hadn't done your devotions, you'd be like, oh, man, I'm starving. You're listening to Cross Defense. You're like, I can't have another bite. I'm so full or whatever. And if you listen to some false teacher, like you're watching TBN or listen to Joel Osteen and you get like word stomach poisoning and you're up at night puking words out of your oh, I'm never going to that place again Blah. I'm going to review them on Yelp I can't believe I mean this is how so if, can you imagine that if we had a natural desire for the pure spiritual milk of the word how different things will be I mean people would be lined up outside church like this was the Texas Roadhouse calling in for reservations just give me a little sermon I'm so starving but we don't have it we don't have a natural indication that we need God's name and his kingdom and his will, that we need his word and his spirit. We don't have anything in us according to that was lost in the fall. So that Jesus has to come and teach us about the things that we really, truly need. He has to come and say, hey, you know what you need the most? The most of all in the world, you need my kingdom, my name, my word, my spirit, my will, 
my my goodness, my mercy, my kindness. Uh, you need that. You need my word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And yet, and yet, we have our stomach saying, "No, I need bread," and we don't have an alternative stomach saying, "No, I need the word." It has to be taught to us by the Lord through the Holy Spirit. So the Lord Jesus is teaching us in the petitions of the Lord's Prayer the things that we need. Now this, this cannot, cannot, cannot be underestimated, the, the, the helpfulness of this particular secret to the Lord's Prayer. That we, and this is how the context of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray like John the Baptist teaches his disciples to pray because we don't know what we need our need indicators are broken if left to ourselves, we would be like like children like again I'm in the stomach is the example it just tells you that you're hungry but it doesn't tell you that you need that you need broccoli and not Twinkies if your stomach just says put something inside of me to make this pain go away but it doesn't tell us the, the kind of thing. So we need to be taught what is good for us. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. We don't, we don't even have the indicator that we need something, much less the indicator of what it is. But this is what the Lord's Word is, is, is that it satisfies us. So we have these t scriptures that taste and see that the Lord is good. Or Hebrews word, warns about those who have tasted the goodness of the Lord. That the Lord, open your mouth wide. And I will fill it so that the Lord satisfies us with his word. And, and here's another mystery. This is the bonus mystery. That spiritual satisfaction works differently than material satisfaction. One of the, one of the things, so for example, you know, we, the, Thanksgiving is the best realization of this, is that you go from being hungry to being sick of food. <laughs> at, least, at least I do. You go from being starved, like, man, I could eat a whole turkey, to, man, I should not have eaten a whole turkey. <laughs> that, that, that's, that, that desire, so say it like this, in this physical life, desire and satisfaction are the opposite of each other. To want is not to have, and to have is not to want. That's just how it works, like with food or other physical things. I'm cold, so I need to warm up, but when I'm warm, and now I'm not cold. Or I'm thirsty, but now I'm, I'm parched, and then I'm satisfied. The two are opposites to each other. But spiritually, they're not opposites. They actually go together. They're bound up to one another. So that to, to desire the Lord's Word is to also be satisfied with the Lord's Word. The more we study and hear and rejoice in the Lord's Word, the more we want more and more and more. And this gives us hope for the resurrection. Because we think in the resurrection that we will be satisfied and we will lose the pleasure of desiring and seeking. But spiritually, those two go together. That to have and to seek are bound up. To, to, to want and to rejoice are, are the same. And so as the Lord gives us his word and his kindness, we want more and more and more of it. So that the more satisfied we are with the Lord's word, the more we desire the Lord's word. This is also true of the Lord's Supper. The, one of the dangers people make is they think of the Lord's Supper like Thanksgiving. If you had a Thanksgiving meal every day, then Thanksgiving wouldn't be special. And they say the same thing. If you have the Lord's Supper too often, it wouldn't be special. But, but spiritual realities work different than physical realities. Is That is to have it is to want it. 
It, 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 the satisfaction produces its own desire. This is how it is with the Lord's Word. So that the, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer are coming along and they're showing us what we need. <laughs> what we say, what, what should I pray for in this life? And Jesus says, well, here's the, it's like Jesus gives us like a packing list for this trip. He gives us a, he gives us the list of the things that, that we need for this, for this life. And there they are. You need my name, kingdom, will, etc., etc. And then the last thing, because I can't believe it, I've got the warning that this thing is coming to an end. The last of the benefits is that Jesus gives us the words themselves. You know, here we are walking before the, before the throne of God into the, into the throne room of the universe to petition the creator of the universe for the things that we need. And, and we, we might be tempted to stutter. We might, might not be sure of ourselves that we're going to ask the right thing. So Jesus says, here's the words. Here are the words to use. When you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and so forth. In other words, we can pray with great confidence because the Lord has given us the words. <laughs> now, we used to be, I remember in the old days, people say, well, you can't just pray the Lord's, the words of the Lord's Prayer because they're rote. You won't be thinking about it. You'll just say them over and over again. Well, I suppose that's true. You could just say the words without your imagination or your heart or your mind or will or anything being engaged in it. Hopefully, this time on the radio helps with that. But we, but we know that the Lord has given us the treasure of these very words, so we don't have to pray, Hallowed be thy name if it's your will, because we know it's his will. We don't have to pray, thy kingdom come, if it's your will, because we know it's his, it's his will. We don't have to pray, deliver us from evil, lead us not into temptation, if it is your will, because we know, in fact, that that is the Lord's will. So that the very things that we need are the very things that the Lord wants to give to us, his children. Exiled away from the kingdom, but being, treasure, being, being lavished with his gifts while he brings us through this veil of tears back to himself in heaven. We got two minutes, so I'm going to give you one more thing to think about on the Lord's Prayer. People always ask me, Pastor, this is especially when they're tired of life. Pastor, is it okay to pray that the Lord would take me home? Is it okay to pray that I would die? And my answer to them is, that's what you pray every time you pray the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, deliver us from evil, we're praying that the Lord would at the last take us from this veil of tears to be with himself in heaven. So that the Lord's Prayer extends from our baptism until our Christian death and includes everything between in this great mystery of the Christian life. He shows us, he gives us the command to pray, the promise to pray, the needs of prayer and the words to pray. And he knits us together in his story as we stand before him and ask him for the things that we need. So there you go. Three secrets about the Lord's Prayer. The story, the structure, and the blessings. I hope you'll remember this tonight when you pray with your family these words that our Lord taught us to pray. Hey, thanks for listening to Cross Defense. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. We'll talk to you about the Lord's word, his joy, and his peace right again next week. God's peace be with you.
Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org. Thanks again for listening to Cross Defense, for downloading the podcast, for staying all the way to the end. Wow. God be praised for that. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfman, your host, and I'm really grateful for it. I'd love your feedback. Uh, the best way to give feedback is to send me a note. You can, if you go to the website, wolfmuller.co, there's a contact button, and those emails come straight to me. I'd love to hear what you think about this, about the Lord's Prayer, about some of the stuff we talked about today, and about the show in general. That feedback is, is really also helpful. And if you think that there was something helpful uh, there in this particular episode, please share it with friends. Uh, you are our best way to get the word out about the good things that are happening on KFUO Radio and on Cross Defense. So thanks for sharing uh, and for uh, and for your feedback. God's peace be with you. We'll talk to you next week.